I'm going to get you to believe in yourself because that's really what the first stage is. If you oh, can man. believe in yourself, you can believe in the process. You can believe in me. You can believe in yourself. Those three beliefs, the rest is history. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining another episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. I have with me today Marcus Wolf. And Marcus and I, well, this is round like three of trying to record <laughs> this. So um, I kept fumbling on the first few tries and then my internet went out. So we are back. Marcus is awesome. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, man. This is a lot of fun. Take three. Yeah, every take's going to be different, and it's just <laughs> supposed to get better every time. So we'll I see. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were we jumped right in when we started talking, and you said let's just record, which was brilliant. I was reading through your bio, and you dropped out at school of school at fifteen years old, and so I wanted to dig right into that, and then we'll talk about how we got to know each other and everything else. But man, dropping out of school at fifteen, you were saying like basically, if you look at stats, the 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 odds are stacked against you big time when you drop out. Yeah. So why'd you drop out? I could give you the, the justification I had when I was 15 years old. And then I'll give you the real reason now that I'm 36 and I understood exactly what was happening. So I'm 15 years old and I see a whole bunch of my buddies who are a little older than me and they're just like hitting the wall. Like they go to college first year and second year Hey, I'm going to choose a different major. I'm going to change my career path. And I was just like, something's wrong here, man. Like they're not leading these guys and that's setting them up for success. And uh, then let's talk about the real reason. I I was a quitter, man. <laughs> like I just, I sucked at everything. I sucked at school. I sucked at athletics. I sucked with the girls. It was like, I was smoking weed and I was honestly at a point where I was vandalizing stuff. Like you'd, you know, you'd get high and you'd go like, to some random building and start, you know, breaking shit like it's Street Fighter. Remember that, that side level where you just beat the shit out of a car? And uh, yeah, it was just like, I'm done with this, man. Like, I might as well just get high at home or just not even show up. Because if I show up, I'll just get more, I'll add more bad to my life. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure it out as a dropout. So had you had other friends that dropped out or just kind of hang out by yourself at that point? No, dude. Just out of curiosity. I mean, I could play on my last name. I was a lone wolf for a real long time. Yeah, dude, I dropped out of high school and it was like, I think one guy tried to drop out and then his parents just absolutely like, you know, did exactly what most parents would do, right? They just, yeah, they were like, this is not happening. Like, you know, we're immigrant family. We're not letting you like drop out of school. But my parents were, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to call them soft, but they were, they were just not there. They were, they were not as uh, oh, wow. tough. Right. I mean, my mom was a pretty pissed off about it cause she's an immigrant Filipino and she was like, are you, are you serious? Like <laughs> I, I'm the only one who went to university in my crew of family and you can't even just show up to high school. And uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I was the only one. Interesting. Now that I have like a team of man, almost a hundred Filipino uh, <laughs> Filipinos working for me. <laughs> phenomenal phenomenal anyway um they very really value college by the way i'm sure your mom probably did too did she oh yeah she was the only okay she is one out of 10 siblings Mm -hmm. and she was the only one out of 10 to graduate university so you could imagine her academic belief was there right like this got me out of the country this got me this fantastic job in canada like rock and roll it's all about academics and my my sister was like excelling 
And then there's over me. I'm just kind of like, oh, I can't even face a challenge because the challenge is too hard to just show up to class, study. I don't know, man. I don't know if my identity was just wrapped up with trying to be dumb. I know that sounds really crazy, but uh, maybe some guys can relate to that. But no, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm not yeah. wearing this, this my favorite T-shirt, but my favorite T-shirt, I have like this Homer Simpson on it. And I'm just kind of like, that was my idol growing up. Right. I have mm-hmm. all idols. Yeah. He's not the guy who like displays a leader or displays like, you know, being wise or, you know, great mentor. He's just like a buffoon. Right. And I was like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. Kind right? of like mediocre, like apathetic. Yeah. Father figure, not father figure, I guess. I mean, yeah. Like the, uh, the abuse, but he could pay the mortgage. So he had like this 50 50 thing about him. Right. Right, right, right. So, you and I met. Gosh, it must have been two, three years ago. Was it? Was it three years ago? Golly, I, time is weird. Yeah. And the COVID vortex, you know, is is a real thing. So, time. The last four years has been like this weird vortexy, odd thing. But we met because uh, the, the co-founder of Brotherhood of Fatherhood, Josh Price, and I jumped in on Joe's. SOS Dojo sales training and you were in there. Oh yeah. And you were one of the badasses that have been through it for a <laughs> long time. So for those that don't know, Joe, how do you pronounce his last name? Is it Marku? Yeah, you got it. Okay. Yeah. Joe Marku, he runs this business called SOS Do- sales dojo. If you are in sales, you probably should reach out to the dude. He does some cool stuff and you actually go in like, like you're in a dojo and you go in and inspire. I mean, you literally practice sales objections. And, um, I, up until that moment, I'm like, I am not a salesperson, but here I was all like in my past, uh, working for the company level method, I would sell, sell at a great closing rate. What am I doing now as business owner? I'm doing sales and it was really pivotal. It was super helpful. We joined that and you were, you were a black belt. I was like, Whoa. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and you've done sales for Greg Valentine too. That's, I mean, that's, those are, those are kind of big deal. Is, are you, is, are, ooh, how do you say this? Is sales your, your thing now? Is sales I mean, my is that thing? How you, well, you know what? Let's, let's go back just a little bit. Cause sure. I remember my first sales gig. So I, I've been in fitness pretty much the whole entire time. Cause I mean, like you drop out of high school, you go into fitness and you're like, oh sweet. I'm just going to make this into a career somehow. And I remember I got my first sales gig where you were supposed to sell personal training to people at a big box gym. And I go there and I'm like so optimistic. I'm going to like kick ass, right? Like the, the, the managers were all men and like the, all the crew was men. We're like, we're just going to kill it. People were coming in over and over and over. And every single one of them would just give me those no's. No, I'm just not interested. I'm going to try figuring it out myself. And I got a nickname in sales, which was garbage. They were just like, oh. they were like, which is epitome of like what I was. I was like pretty much 5% close rate. It was like the horrible. Yeah. It was the worst of the worst. Right. And it was because I didn't understand sales. I didn't understand people. I mean, I was probably only 21 years old and I was a gigantic narcissist who was just like, I could only see my problems. I had, you know, my, my food inside my backpack, my goals for my fitness goal, you know, my career. And I'm like, I see them and I'm like, what do you mean you can't show up and hit a bench press every single day? Come on, let's go. Like, get in the gym. You don't need a personal trainer. You're like, I'm almost just trying to motivate them on the sales gig. So I got a terrible, terrible rap in sales. I actually avoided anything sales for as long as I possibly could. I was, I was afraid to even jump on a phone or face somebody face to face. And then, um, and then I decided to become an online coach where you have to, you know, yeah. you have to develop your sales chops and. Joe and his team, they taught me so much about what you're supposed to be listening to and what you're supposed to be hearing and, and being empathetic and compassionate about where people are at. And you're like, 
oh, that's why I was bad before. And that's why I'm never going to be bad ever again, because I know what they're going through, right? Was there a reason you went right into fitness? I mean, you're talking about you dropped out of high school and you go right into fitness. And I mean, you say you fail 5% close rate. You have to, like, I feel like you have to try to have a 5% close rate. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. That's <laughs> yeah, really I, bad. I would probably say that 5% were the girls that wanted to sleep with me. So they're like, maybe if I buy this training, I could stick around the gym and maybe sleep with this guy. Uh, which, <laughs> yes, there were a few of them. So, but yeah, your question was. <laughs> like what led you to fitness? I mean, you, you, oh, yeah. you still do fitness industry. I mean, you're ripped. I don't know if people know this, but you're totally ripped <laughs> and you eat normal food. We'll probably talk a little bit about that, which is cool. Um, but let's talk about what got you into fitness. Oh, cool story about this one. I, you know, I had a couple of drinking buddies because I was actually not in fitness. I was in music. I was going to be the next Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan. I was like so set on doing this. I played hours and hours of guitar, like, Typical Beatles. I had blisters on my fingers every day. And that's also why I dropped out of high school. Because I was like, I'm just going to be a guitarist. I'm going to be a musician. That's how my life's going to be. And uh, my drinking buddies just decided to join a gym in 20, 2006. And I was just kind of like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you? They're like, I guess they probably wanted to get late, right? But I was like, I just needed friends. I was like, you guys were my right. only buddies. Like, you guys were my only thing to hang out with. So anyways, now I'm in the gym. And I'm like, whatever. Let's just kind of rock and roll. Let's do this. Four weeks later, those two guys quit and have never seen the inside of a gym since. And now it's 18 years and I'm in fitness. So I can't even tell you how I got in except for just kind of like almost like serendipitous. I'm like, now I'm part of fitness and it's my life, my career. And funny enough, music isn't even like a thought anymore. I don't, I barely even listen to music. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's so funny. There's, wow. We could go down that whole wormhole. I, I go through bouts of music where I really listen to it a lot and I work out to it and they're really short mm-hmm. and I love music. Like my wife, my wife and boys are like, Oh, look who that's this actor so-and-so. And they were in this movie and this movie, like their, their database of information around actors and actresses is insane. And then I'll be watching a show and I'm like, Hey, look, it's flea. <laughs> He's acting in that movie. They're like, how do you know who that person is? A song comes up like the first note. I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, whatever, you know, Kings of Leon. They're like, who, who, what? And I'm like, like my brain is just so musically dialed. Like, what's that? It has like music factoids. Just oh, insane. Insane. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, everywhere I go, I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so. And and the actor or the singer, I never studied it. Just stuck with my head. It was, I'm very interested. But I'll, now as an adult, I just really don't listen to music. It's, it's weird. But I get pure joy out of it when I do. So you yeah. weren't, you weren't lazy. If you're working out a lot, you weren't lazy. You just weren't focused on the right things. Great question. I thought about this question for like the last couple of weeks, because the thing is, you know, lazy is a very strong term in fitness, right? Like it's like, you know, the, you know, if you're not into working out, you're not into eating healthy, you're just lazy. You just got to stop being so lazy. So you need discipline. And I kept thinking to myself, are these people lazy? Cause I work with individuals who have seven figure businesses. And I'm just like, you're not lazy, right? right? You're showing up every single day and you're, you're delegating or you're, you're, you're scaling your businesses. You have energy, but you don't have direction and purpose. So it's, it's more of just kind of like, I believe a lot of men are mission driven. At least I know I am. And I, re- I resonate with men who are mission driven. And mm-hmm. if you're a mission driven person and you can't associate being fit with a mission, you're not there. You could associate money with 
I am going to have wealth. I could pay for things for my kids and they'll have things that I've never had before. I could uh, pay for things for my wife. I could pay for things for myself, have vacations, have less stress, all that stuff. You could associate wealth with that. But people have yet to hold on to workouts because or, and fitness because I feel the industry has put too much of a, you know, it, they've diluted it where it's just a very narcissistic, uh, aesthetic looking thing where like when you get behind all those, like the, the smoke, you're like, oh, wait a minute. If I am at my best version, I show up and I'm 1% better than I would have been if I didn't show up to the gym. And that 1% is going to help me scale my business because I'm going to, you know, force multiply those by like three months. And those three months of feeling energetic and focused are going to turn into, oh, wow, now I've scaled my business and now I make more money and I have more freedom. Yeah, man, you, you kind of hit it on the head. It's almost a lot of people don't have the purpose behind. They're like, well, I want to look better, but it's not that important. It's too hard. It takes up too much time. I never am going to get there, but they'll go and they'll, they'll earn a dollar one day and two to the next and three the next. And they're like, I'm, I'm crushing it. Right. Because they see that that slow progress makes huge gains, but they won't equate it to the same thing in their body. And uh, I just, like I came to this point where I connected, I've always been off and on, but more on lately for the last four or five years. And I connected it to my core values. Like, okay, I don't need to be motivated. I need to understand the outcome. And the outcome is I can live longer for my wife. I can display what I want my boys to do as adults when they become adults and where they're at now. And I saw it start to work. They started to work out every day on their own. I never bothered them. They, you know, started doing. I'm like, what the heck? What what's going on? And then you start to make these connections. And for me, it just became like, there's no way that when a week goes by, I haven't worked out five or six times. Like, it's just, it feels weird if I don't. It feels wrong if I don't. But it took me a long time to make a connection, if you will. Otherwise, it was just like this fleeting moments of motivation and demotivation and discipline and no discipline. And I'm sure you deal a lot with that with your clients. 100%. They're having those battles. They've been having those battles even before working with me. So they're going to continue to have those patterns when they work with me. And a lot of it is that, you know, they can't seem to turn it into their identity. They can't put their values a part of it. And that's always the ultimate goal for me. I mean, I even have a story of one guy I worked with who, you know, he reached his goal, all that, but he was close enough to me, like only an hour and a half drive. It's not typical, but I mean, he's, he's an hour and a half. And I went to his 40th birthday during the summertime and the guy had like, flex emote like things on his napkins and there was like there was banners his whole birthday was like workout stuff and i was like that's it like that's what i want for a guy like i mean do they need to have the whole paraphernalia no but they need to have the shift where they're they're the, you know if i don't show up to the gym something's wrong like i'm not the same yes. person and if i don't show up at the same person i know this is a domino effect in the negative standpoint kids business yada 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 it's interesting and I, I hope that this helps people connect, right? I hope they start to see connections. For me, like there's times when, okay, I'm looking better than others. There's times like right now I'm like, eh. but what is different is the fact that I feel amazing about myself because I was in the gym yesterday. I was in the gym today. I was in the gym today before. I Any rest days or active rest days, I walk at least five miles, usually rock with weighted rock. That's my rest, right? I'm like, like <laughs> don't. And, and so- then I started to remove it from looks. And for me, it became way deeper. It became a way of living for me. And it's easier to do it than to not do it. 
Like my friction is less if I've done movement in the day than it is if I haven't. And I, th- I just wish everybody would get there. Something that really resonates with me. Guys, whether you like them or not, I don't care, but that's Andy Frisella. He has the 75 hard, created 75 hard. And he has, you know, he has uh, very strong views, but he has a new saying, if you haven't seen it, it's personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion. And you know what? I've, I've always been pretty rebellious and I've always kind of been this anti-authoritarian thing. And man, I stuck my flag in that. I'm like, that's right. If I operate with excellence in my fitness, in myself as a father, in myself as a leader, a business owner, a master of my own money, I am rebellious to what the status quo is. And that sunk, dude, that sunk into me huge. How do you feel about that statement? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. I just had a conversation with a bunch of other, you know, online coaches that we talked to. It's like an accountability thing. And, you know, we were kind of leading towards those type of conversations. And it's, I told them when I was in my 20s, again, being a high school dropout, being incredibly poor, like I had a chip on my shoulder, but I, I still knew There was things I could do on my day-to-day actions that could separate myself from the average or the everyone else. And that was a big thing for me because like you, you know, again, I came from music. I think music always has that rebellious vibe, right? Right. And when you have that rebellious vibe, you're just kind of like, you want to be a contrarian. I want it to be like, well, nobody else works out. Okay. So if I show up, I'm doing what everybody's not doing. And to be honest, that caught me for the first probably 10 years in this game. It was just like, Nobody else is doing it. I already know that means if I show up, I'm already etching myself towards the man I want to become. And that's it. That's cool. Yeah. I think you have to find something like that to hang, to like to plant your flag into, right? Like I've really planted my flag into, I don't want to work out, but the status quo doesn't want me to work out. Like on days I don't want, like the status quo, if I want to be like those flimsy floppy men that you see out there, like, oh my God, what is wrong with society? Um, uh, then, then yeah, I'm not going to work out. And I'm like, well, screw that. I'm right. getting on it today. It actually motivates me more than anything else. But yeah. you and I have a lot in, uh, in common in the way that we think. And I, I want to bring something up that you, this is a little bit of a shift. And by the way, you guys, if you haven't noticed, Marcus does online fitness coaching. And I'm going to tell you right now, the last guest that came on, I'm like, you must hire him. And who was it? Oh, shoot. I already forgot. But but I, um, oh, it's another fitness guy. You must hire a fitness coach. I'm, I'm just, I'm going on. I, I kind of beat myself up for really digging it in on the last episode. You need to hire a fitness coach. You need to hire Marcus. You need to hire somebody who's going to get you to that point where you are the guy with flexing muscles on your birthday napkins or whatever. You got to get to that point. How do you get to that point is you put systems in place. How do you put systems in place? You have somebody holding you accountable who's going to get you to that place where you want to be. Anyway, off of the, off of that little podium for a minute because I, I, I just I feel so incredibly strong about mentorship and coaching and the fact that we are sitting here leaving so much on the table because we're trying to do things alone that really we should have accountability. But just like you said, you have an accountability group or you have this group of guys that do the same business as you. You get together, you talk, you work through things, you probably push each other. This is like the way that we as men level up. This is the way as me as we as American men can show that we're not the average wimpy floppy people that are populating our states right now. So anyway, off that for a minute, but you and I have a lot of a lot of similarities. One thing that you wrote that really really resonated with me is the first thing 
that you talked about when I said, hey, what do you want to, what are some discussion points? Be the man your wife fell in love with again. Let's talk about that. So tell me like what you meant by that. I mean, I have my own version, but let's dive into that a little bit. Again, I think everything stemmed when, again, I was a young guy and I was a young guy and I always have, whether it was fitness and what we just talked about, using that as motivation, nobody else works out. Okay, so I'm going to work out. I even did the same thing when I looked at like my own dad. I looked at my dad and I was just kind of like, you know what? Like he's an excellent dad. He's an excellent husband, but he doesn't seem like he has like a personality anymore. Like who is, who is he? You know what I mean? Like I didn't know who his interests were. He seemed to be so content, but not having that. And yeah. I was like, when I met my wife, who I have to just drop this because it's hilarious. She was a personal training client and I married her and, put <laughs> <laughs> and I did what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Anyways, and when I met her, I was just so full of youth. I mean, I'm six years younger than her. And, you know, I was introducing ways of eating that she never had before because she came around. She was in the she had personal trainers in the past that told her how to eat like, you know, six meals a day and super clean. And I'm over here going like, come on, let's have like some beers and a, and a pop tart. Yeah. It's not a big deal. And then she loses all <laughs> the weights. So obviously she's just like, look at this like energy he has. And I remember having that energy with her. And as I approached becoming a dad, I had a kidney disease that really like shook me, like shook me bad, man. Because it's like, I was gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my body was my identity. That's what I yeah. thought, you know, that was yeah. my, that was my comfort zone. And I, and this kidney disease, I lost it in only about six weeks because I gained 40 pounds of water, took enough medication to take out an elephant and then lost 50 pounds, including lean muscle tissue, strength, everything. I was squatting 300 pounds to 95 pounds in only six weeks. So it's like, you can imagine, I had to really figure out what my identity was now, because if it's not fitness, nobody looked at me as, as, a, as a fit guy no longer. I was like skinny, fat, just weird mm. looking. <laughs> like, and I already had big ears. So it was already tough enough to be really fucking weird. Anyways. And <laughs> so I get, I get rocked and I have my first kid. And then you just kind of really embrace that role. You know what I mean? You're, 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 you're a caregiver. You're there for them. You're, you know, people are asking questions about it. You, you have the stroller out on the street and everybody wants to touch the kid's cheeks. And, you know, you're a dad and you're like, okay, great. This is my role. This is awesome. But you start to notice that like that thing that you and your wife had aren't, isn't there anymore. And most importantly, your kid has no clue who you are anymore, like who you ever were. So it's like, I remember having this moment where I was just kind of like, man, I got to bring this guy back like to, to at least like a little bit. Cause I used to be fun. I used to be like adventurous and spontaneous. And it's like, now I'm so rigid and like, I'm so afraid of like, you know, I'm, I'm over at her bed. Is she breathing? Is she okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I remember other dads would just laugh at me. They're just like, dude, she's going to be fine. I'm like, dude, that's my heart right there. All that mumbo jumbo and nothing wrong with that. But you know, you, you, you're tying way too much into somebody who, doesn't even know who you are. And, and that's what they really want to see. Those are the values that I needed to give to her. She, she needed to know that her dad's a little bit of a Star Wars nerd, or she needs to know that, yeah, he likes fitness, but he doesn't care about it the way you think you might, you know, you might talk about, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's about like well, losing touch of uh, who that guy was. I think that you nailed a few things. One is if we just kind of complacent, if we change our identity to just being a dad and kind of give up everything else, we're leaving a lot on the table for our kids and our wife. And we're, we're, uh, and uh, this is going to probably challenge a few guys listening to this. Like if you identify as a dad, like good for you, but what happens if your child dies tomorrow or both your children, like your identity has gone. And what we were before may not be who we want to be now, 
but they need to see you for who you are. One, I believe you must love your wife and model that so incredibly powerfully that for you as a dad, as a, as a girl dad, your daughters know that the right man is the man who treats them the way you treat your wife. Now think about that twice. Mm-hmm. If you treat your life, wife like crap, you're literally setting your daughters up to go look for someone who treats them like crap. That's a, have you ever thought about that? hundred yeah. percent. That's, that's a heavy load. Yeah. 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 And I'm so, yeah. yeah, it's it, it, like that you are setting up the, their future and it's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. And, and then how do you best portray who you are and what you're about and what a good relationship is, is you, you make yourself desirable to your wife through the way you look, through the way that you act, through the way that you date her actively. So what do you do to make sure that you are, your wife falls in love with you every day over and over again? <laughs> I'm putting you on the, on the shopping blocks oh, here. Man, this has been the biggest, and I've been so up for it. The biggest challenge over the last two or three years Mm-hmm. I can't say that me and her haven't looked at each other and going like, I don't know if we're going to make it through this because it's that, right. you know, we're, cause you're, you're really facing the challenge of understanding every action you do. So the first ones I started to have to realize was there's certain type of things that I needed my love language. Right. So I would be doing things and you know, I'm, I'm trying to be that young spirit. Right. So I'm just, sometimes when you have a mm-hmm. young spirit, you're not thinking. So I would be that young spirit and just be like <laughs> touching her at, at the kitchen. And I think that's what she wants. And then, you know, I'm getting like the stiff arm and she's just like, that's just not what I want right now. It's overstimulating. It's all this, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, it doesn't feel nice to get rejected because it felt like it was so easy before kids, right? Like everything was just such an, everybody was so intimate with each other. So a lot of it has been like an open dialogue of curiosity. I, I, th- I think we've done, if I, if I would say the thousands of dollars of, of therapy to really identify tools, that is the word I would probably suggest for so many husbands out there is just be curious because if they're, if your wife reacts, you might react with them and then you're not really actually in a state of responding. You're not actually in a state of understanding. And then, you know, you go straight into victim in a way where it's just kind of like, Oh, what, but, but, but my needs, my needs, what, what you never hear or see me. And I'm like, don't get me wrong that it's you, it's important for your wife to hear and see you, but you have to just get curious enough. And that's what I've been doing with my wife, Lindsay, is a lot more just curiosity. Because I'll be like, all right, she's acting a certain way. Let's just let's just chop this up a little bit before I say anything. Or maybe I even just ask her how, like, you know, where are you at right now? And those are questions that we have established now are questions that we can't ask. Where it's kind of like, you know, where are you at? Are you, are you, uh, are you, you know, you need some time away from the kids? Are you overstimulated from something else? Are you, is your mind on business? Because just so you know, she also does what I do. So we have two entrepreneurs oh, wow. in the household. Yeah. And it is not fun. I mean, I know I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of husbands that have like the nine to five wife. And obviously those come with their own problems or issues. But uh, when you have two and then, you know, doing a whole bunch of moving and, you know, there's just a lot. Right. So it's been yeah. a lot of open dialogue and a lot of questions and curiosity. Curiosity, I'll tell you right now, has been a savior for me this year, if anything. Curiosity allows you to um, stop assuming that you need to do something or assuming that you have the answers to whatever she has or can provide for her the way that she needs at that, that moment. Curiosity allows you the opportunity. If you're curious, you'll ask questions. If you ask questions, you'll actually have the road paved in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. Like my wife brings a trial. I've said this a million times on the podcast. She brings me an issue and I start focusing on solving it. I mean, I'm like her worst enemy at that moment. She's like, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. Like if I just ask questions and listen 
man, like I'm a hero. And I'm like, I haven't even done anything. I just listen. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple hours, a day later, she's like, okay, let's talk about some solutions. Ah, now I get to shine. But I think that that curiosity about your spouse, what did we do when we were dating in high school or college or, you know, whatever age, you know, 20s, 15, 20s or teens and 20s, we were very curious about who we were dating. And we were very focused in on them as opposed to us, at least most of us. And that's mm-hmm. what landed us our, our spouses. 100%. Was with that action. And then we changed the tables, right? When we get married, well, I landed, I landed her. I'm good. And that's just the biggest crock of shit out there. Oh, You're never done. It's, it's the one that I knew I didn't want. I remember even when I was just in the dating world and there would be a guy and he would come up to me after I'd get like a girlfriend. He'd be like, oh, I guess your gains are all going to go away because you're not going to go to the gym. And I was like, that's exactly why I'm going to continue going to the gym. But in regards to marriage, yeah, if you just let go, that you, again, you're doing yourself such a disservice because you can use that same analogy you use. How about if the marriage ends today? Right. What do, what's the first thing a divorcee does? They, they recollect themselves. They start to figure out how to, to bring out and highlight who they were, their fun, their passions, so they could display it to someone else. When yeah. in actuality, I hate to say it, that's what you should be doing with your marriage. You have to yeah. figure out how yeah. to heighten yourself for your wife to see and fall in love with. And I get it. It's hard. But yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a challenge I've been really looking forward to. Like we just had yeah, a tough th- one 24 hours ago. And I'm like, it, it was the greatest dialogue to fix everything. It was great. Oh, really? It's, it's amazing when you have kind of a, I don't know, when you get through it and you go through it, you, you start to see some patterns of like, oh, we're going to have a knock. We have a knockout, right? Everything now is like horrible, but you start to see a bigger picture. And for me, it becomes, I've, I've learned over years to start shining this thing back on me. Wait, where did I go wrong? Instead of focusing on where she went wrong. (laughs) Imagine that it works really well. My wife is a, is a health coach. Your wife's a health coach. You're a you're a health coach, fitness health coach. And her huge focus, and I'm I'm thinking your wife's is too, is the fact that women can't best serve their families unless they're taking care of themselves. And mm. so this is a conversation I hear all the time. A lot of women will be like, I'm so busy, I don't have time to do X. I don't have time to eat. I could just I gotta eat when my kids are eating, you know, the dinosaur nuggets, whatever. I gotta I can't work out because my kids are running around. And you know, my wife is always like, You are not going to serve your family at the level they need to be served unless you're taking care of yourself. Let's let's flip that. Do you believe the same for guys? That guys do the same thing? What do we need to do to be better husbands, fathers? And how does fitness fill, fit in that role? How does fitness fit into the role of being better fathers? It's a lot of what we had mentioned. You haven't yet figured out that your best self is when you actually take care of yourself. When you fill up your cup, it's... Yeah, it, it's 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 also I have this one percent rule. It's in my head because everything to me is all about trying to make things into bite sized chunks. Because it's just in general, you know, where you and I are at. Once you reach a certain level, it doesn't take a lot to go from you know slow progression because we're already kind of there. But for a lot of guys who are just trying to kickstart it, what they really just don't have is like a is like a process to like get it in there. So they're so like no 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 like my old patterns. Money's so important. Because money is going to get rid of that anxiety, that hole of like, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't pay for the bills, inflation, I got to have fun, I got to live life, all that stuff. There's all these justifications and they're all, you know, they're keeping themselves in their loop. And if you don't have yeah. fitness, you don't have what, at least for me and what I've done for other men, which is give yourself an outlet to start to expand. Because I think we are so 
focused on it just being, okay, you go to the gym, which is a grueling task. You got to eat grueling food. And I'm just kind of like, all right, F it. Let's just say that is what you need to do. But why don't you have the idea that you could explore other things eventually? Like explore this to be like, you know, you know, you, you go walking five kilometers with a ruck, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you play a sport so you could actually hang around other dudes and just like, you know, play ball or something like that. Like turn this into like, you know, are you in that shape? Because most guys aren't. They're like, oh, man, I can't even like play basketball anymore without, you know, my knees killing me. My heart's going to like pop out of my chest. And I'm like, that's what you don't have when you don't have fitness. You don't have the ability to like even if you want to bring back your old self. So, you know, dad could be listening right now and be like, yeah, I do need to bring back that old 20 year old who used to skateboard and listen to like punk rock. And I'm like, Oh, but wait a minute. I'm 40 pounds overweight. My knees hurt. And I don't think I could, a skateboard's going to, going to fly with me. I'm going to be exhausted. You know what I mean? You know what though? I do know what you mean. And even like at 46 years old, I went to the skate park with my kid. My boys were interested at that time. I took them to the skate park. I showed, I taught them how to skate a half pipe. I taught them how to skate a bowl. I taught them how to, to drop in, transition, ollie, board slide. 46, because I kept myself fit. I kept myself limber. I kept myself flexible. And it did hurt a lot more when I fell or, or whatever than it used to. But dude, you know how much you know how amazing that was? And then my boys at that age, not anymore, they'd be like, my dad took us to the skate park. Check this video out of him ollieing four skateboards or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, there's going to be a point where if you have ki- uh, guys, if you have young kids, you can keep up with them for a while. But dang it, dude, do the work now so you can keep up with them for a long time. For a long So, you know, yeah, my, my son, my youngest, he's 15. He went on, he came to my event up in Montana this year that I have for men, for fathers. And he did the rocking with us. And, you know, he was at the front of the pack and, but I was third, you know, it was like, and he didn't have to be like, man, my dad sucks or, <laughs> you know, it, we can keep up with, I can keep up with my boys. I'm now, you know, now I'm working on teaching him how to snowboard. I can still do that. And I'm freaking 50 years old. Freaking cool. And it's because I move every single day and I'm not here to brag on myself. I'm just trying to paint a picture of, don't be that dad who can't do anything because you let let it slide for too long. Right. And cool. it, it has levels, man. Like it's it's the dad who can't play with his kid. It's the husband who can't really have the energy or the ability to even have sex with his wife. It's the it's the it's the regular guy who says to himself, Holy man, I've been watching UFC for so long. I just want to do that Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But I'm just so out of shape and I'm so insecure about being out of shape. And you know, maybe if I just lost a few pounds, and it's like that. Cause it really takes a big enough jump and leap to just chase after things like that. I want to go rock climbing. I want to go skateboarding, snowboarding, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, all that. That's already a big enough leap that the last thing that needs to be your, your, the stopper is the thing that you could have prevented. And I hate to say that, but it's, it, it's, it is your fault if you don't do anything right now. hundred percent. So it's like Man, getting worn out from sex. That would suck. It would be terrible. <laughs> like imagine being the bottom for the rest of your marriage. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> but, but seriously, guys, like if you continue on the path that you are, if you're not working out, exercising, moving, you might not have enough energy or mobility to have good sex. Like if nothing motivates you, for goodness sakes, let that mo- <laughs> motivate you. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just one of these flaccid, floppy men walking around our our streets these days, actually not walking, probably 
using a cart. I think actually, you know what? Yeah. If you want any more incentive, cause this is the one I like to try uh, to really motivate guys with is man, all that. Like I'm going to take TRT when I reach 50. I'm like, dude, you do not need that. If you're just a healthy dude, that's it. If you're a healthy guy, eats good, sleeps good, works out that, that thing's going to be rock hard in your fifties. I guarantee it. I'll put my, yeah, mind I, there, there's a lot of things. You do some things that actually help with some of that. You do, you do uh, cold plunges. How often do you do cold plunges right now? I probably do at least once a week. It is my favorite thing in the world. You're moving though. It's hard to do those types of things. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's, it's tough to do a cold plunge. I live in Texas. You try to take a cold shower and it's like 60 degree water. <laughs> well, this isn't cold. I guess I can but, take advantage of my, my 36 years of Toronto, Canada, like cold weather. <laughs> But yeah, there's there's nothing I've found in my life that has such an immediate. I do something hard and then I and I face the challenge. There's like mm-hmm. that quick dopamine response is why I do it. I mean, there's all science that also suggests otherwise, but uh, like why you would no not otherwise, but like why you would want to do it even more. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, when I do that, it is like a you know, it's just like facing a challenge, man. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah, it's it's become kind of this big thing, and then it, you know, big things get too big, and then everybody's like, "Oh, it's just stupid. It's just Huberman talking BS out of his left ear." And you're like, well, "Have you tried it yet?" So I did. Um, I did a cold plunge, my first real cold plunge. I did cold showers for a long time with Matt Schnard. I don't know if you know Matt. He lives up in uh, Alberta, and he he's got a viral. You know, he's had a lot of viral videos of him doing cold plunges. He's been doing them like for seven, eight years. And he has a tub outside and he has an axe in the morning and he breaks, you know, through like four (laughs) inches. He keeps the little heater in there that keeps the water at a certain temperature down low, but it always, and so he's, he's gone viral because he's sitting here like with a huge axe, just breaking it. And then he's got like chunks like this and he's like sitting there and they're floating around and he, he takes videos of himself doing every day. But I made the mistake. We did an event together. I made the mistake of, doing my first real cold plunge with him. Mm. So we're in, we're in Nelson, BC in November or no, January, February, March. It's below freezing out. He had a sauna shipped in. So we had a shot sauna. And of course he brought his cold plunge things and <laughs> that water was frozen. <laughs> and I got in and I got in and it hurt so freaking bad. And I got out. I, I lasted a minute the first time I got out. My legs didn't work. Like literally did not work. <laughs> I cannot move my legs. <laughs> and it's snow. There's snow, everybody aware. Feet of snow. And I'm like kind of like working myself cold. Yeah. to this, to the sauna. I did it a second time. It was even worse the second time. And then I did a cold plunge at like 42 degrees Fahrenheit. And I guess that's still incredibly, incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. I think it's up to like 46 and uh, it was an amazing experience. It's, I still felt super, um, like, ridiculously amazing afterwards. So my wife and I have just kind of been playing with this. Do we buy one of those really fancy ones? Because we do live in Texas, and it's you know, it's not cold. Um, right. Yeah, but, like, the benefits are huge. But I think also doing hard things are huge. Like, I don't want to carry a 20 or 30-pound pack in the morning. That's, yeah. you know, 5.45 a.m. It's dark out. I put a, I put a tactical vest. If I don't carry my go rock because it hurts my neck, I put a tactical vest on. It looks like I think I'm some sort of like sniper or Marine, you know, <laughs> Navy SEAL or something. And people give me very funny looks because I'm wearing this vest, but it's got weight in it. I don't do that to because I want to look cool or say that I walked with weight every morning. I do it because it sucks. Like yeah. I literally... Im- 
like embrace the suck. And afterwards I'm like, I did that every day. I did not want to do it, but I strapped it on, I put it on, I went out there and did my thing. So do you do, what do you do that keeps, keeps you in that modality of like, I, I'm conquering. Is it the ice baths? Do you have other yeah, things that you do? 100%, yeah, it's hundred percent the ice baths. Cause that's the only one that I, you know, if I don't go for like a week or two, I show up and I'm scared. Like I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm like, Oh fuck. I gotta like, you know, I gotta, I don't know if I should be sore as much. Anyways, uh, I get really, you know, I have to jack myself up, but at the same time too, you can't jack yourself up. Cause that's just going to like elevate your breathing. You're going to breathe too fast, but I figured out how to conquer that. So it's kind of a funny thing because I, I go inside cold plunges now. Cause one time, and I should have mentioned this guy before, cause we were talking about a big community. We we're talking about mentors and we're talking about even being in your fifties. So my mentor is 55 and I met him when he was 42 and he was, he's an absolute unit. Like he's just ripped. He doesn't have kids. So, I mean, you know, maybe he has like a lot more time on his hand, but the point though is it's like, he always beat me at everything. And you know, <laughs> we're like, you know, a couple months ago we were like, Hey, let's go do a cold plunge. Cause he finally did a cold plunge, really enjoyed it. And I was like, Oh, I enjoy it too. Why don't we do that? That's a great I've been taking a lot of my guy friends there because that's a great spot to I've even taken clients there because it's just like wow. a, a cool place to like, you know, connect. And I go with him. And this was before anybody had told us what the minimum or maximum you should be in a cold plunge. So we're in there. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm like, this guy has been kicking my butt for 10 plus years and everything. Pull up challenges, bench prep, bench prep challenge, everything. Just like mental fortitude. He could kick my butt. And I hate it. So I'm going to be in this water longer than he has because he told me the longest he's only been in there is three minutes. I did like five. So I'm in that water and I'm not paying attention to him. So you've got to be very much in your own zone. But, yeah. you know, I look over seven minutes. OK, he's still in there. That guy, you know, you could just jump out now, you know, 10 minutes. Whoa. OK, I'm I, at this point, I can't feel anything. I'm, I'm in, you you got to be numb. Yeah. I'm an extraordinary parent. And, and full disclaimer to anybody listening to this. Do not do that. It's only two, three minutes. That's all you need. And it wasn't even just, it was obviously ego, but it was one of those type of things where after you can be in there for 10 plus minutes, two, three doesn't no longer becomes like a thing that I have to kind of like swim when I'm in there. Like I have to actually Oof. move, I have to actually move Oof. my hands because it's so painful that if you move your hands, it's painful. You move your feet, it's painful. You put your head under the water, back out, back and forth. Uh, but yeah, long story short, that has been the uh, the challenge that I, I always know when to go mm-hmm. because I've been playing around with something called the, the window of tolerance. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something Dr. Siegel really spoke on about. And it, your window tolerance is essentially like, you know, when you're in just like a flow state where your kid, your wife, business throws something at you and you could just handle it. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I know how to maneuver this. I could talk to my wife a certain way without, you know, raising my voice. I could talk to my kid without raising my voice. I could handle my stress with the work. It's everything. I'm in my tolerance, right? But then if you're outside your window of tolerance, there's two things that come about. You're either a person who needs something to really relax and chill. And perhaps an ice bath is not what you need to do. You might, <laughs> you might need meditation, breathing, calm music, something like that. But more often than not, for me and a lot of men I know, they fall into something called hypo arousal, where they're more like lack of motivation, lack of stimulus, lack of uh, sensory overloads. Like they don't have anything. So they're very just like, I'm bored. I'm content. I'm like, I have nothing going on. And that's when I know I need to jump in an ice bath because mm. I need to, one, embrace the challenge, but I also need like my sensory. I need to come out and be like, I'm jacked up. I'm ready to rock. Okay. Over. Right. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very applicable because I think the way you explained that, that like 
moment of apathy or that feeling of like contentedness or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think every man goes through that. Just a lot of them sit in it for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. This is where the porn comes in. It's the uh, oh, yeah. playing video games, the numbing agents, right? Because their brain, when this happens, your brain, your front prefrontal cortex isn't working. So it's like you show up and you're just like, I don't know what to do. You don't Dumb even, down. Yeah. You just, you're like, what's the easiest, most laziest thing I could do? And that's jerking off. It's playing video games. It's watching TV, eating until your face goes blue. And then, uh, yeah, it, if you, if you just, Heighten your sensory overloads. You just your motivation kicks it. Like before this call, I was like, I knew I was like in a in a state where my brain wasn't where it needed to be. Put on a soundtrack of some Rocky, and I'm like, I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. Like I'm that's like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. music does it that works. to me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lost. You, you got my brain spinning, so I kind of lost my next <laughs> my next question. Uh, what is the biggest thing that you have to tackle with your clients at first? I mean, I mean, everybody comes with their own baggage. Everybody comes with their own thing, but. Like, is there patterns for people who reach out to you and they're like, Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready for change. You know, is there a a big, like the biggest starting place? Is it mindset? Is it, you know, just routine knowing what to do? Like fill me in on, on where most men come from. Right. Good question. I think here, I, I should premise this real quick. I was a shit coach at the beginning, like real bad. Clients weren't getting results. And even if they did, it was such an outlier. I couldn't understand what made them successful to translate to the masses. And then, you know, I'm a big fan of like Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi. And I was like, you know, a lot of guys could, I'm going to test this out, essentially. I'm going to test it out where it's like, you talk about mindset and there's a big push against it. There's a resistance. They're like, I don't like mindset. My mindset's fine. You say words like stress. Ah, it's not stress. I don't have stress. This is like, you know, it's like almost like a man thing. There's no, they resist mm-hmm. it. So I'm like, okay, cool, man. I'm going to kind of like Miyagi you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to get you to believe in yourself. Cause that's really what the first stage is. If you oh, could man. believe in yourself, you could believe in the process. You could believe in me. You can believe in yourself. Those three beliefs, the rest is history. And it's like I give them the quickest win possible because I know it's going to get them a quick win, a quick belief system. And there's still going to be battles we're going to have to do together. It's just mm-hmm. not over. But within that first belief system, you know, because they came in already with high belief and you just have to maintain that at the beginning. Once you get a quick win, it's just kind of like holding them on as we're fighting stuff. And uh, it's it's fun, man. It, it actually does feel more like a uh, like a sport because it's like, you know, you, you, you know, if you're Phil Jackson, you go into like the huddle with like the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. And you're like, yo, man, they're kicking our butt, man. They're figuring out how to defend the perimeter. We got to figure out how to do this, this and this. And I'm like, same thing. A guy comes to me and they're like, you know. I weigh myself. It's messing me up. It you know, goes up. It goes down. I got these things on Friday night. I don't know how to deal with this. And you're just kind of like you talk them through it. And it's not like a – at least my approach. It's not like a David Goggins type of thing. I'm not kind of like, <laughs> don't be a – you know what I mean? Like, don't yeah, be a right. It's more just kind of like the stuff I learned from sales. So I'm like, all right, let me try to evaluate the situation. Let me try to understand the situation. And then within that, I'm going to you know maneuver their brain to be like, all right, how do you reframe it? And again, I'm, I'm giving them mindset, but they have no clue. Yeah. And that's the whole thing about, you know, sales and a business is sell them on what they think they need, deliver what they, they do need, right? What they actually right. need. And a lot of times with it's, it's mindset, it's believe it might, my coach right now, I have a business coach and he's like, Scott, like it's time for you to start believing in yourself, like the, your capabilities and where you're at do not align. 
I was like, oh. he's like, so what's holding you back? I've never thought I could be, you know, for example, an eight figure business owner. Well, why is that? And it's probably the same for fitness. I never thought, like, have you ever seen yourself with a six pack? Have you ever, like, just envisioned the fact that that could be true yeah. and that it won't happen in a month? <laughs> Right. It's not going to happen in a month. It's going to take a bit of time. And, um, yeah, but it's that one, you, it's that 1% every day. It's the, yeah, it's, it, well, that, that's, that's my approach now. And I'm, I'm willing to tell everybody exactly what I do because the thing is it's, it's making things into bite-sized chunks because that's just how habits are ingrained in you. If you can mm-hmm. make, and there's something I remember, uh, James Clear, the author of, uh, Atomic Habits, great book. And he had an article about something called activation energy. And I remember I went real deep dive into this. I was just kind of like, all right, I'm getting shit results from clients. I need to figure out how to make the dose easier. Because I remember what I give to them now in 12 weeks, I used to do in like week one or two. It was like right, in, yeah. in the kitchen sink. Oh, you're failing at a 90% rate. Let's figure this out, Marcus. And it was a lot because I just had to figure out what was like the most important thing they needed to focus on to get that win? What is it? So they could only focus on one thing. They didn't have to focus on the millions of things because anybody who's tried to lose weight, which is pretty much everybody, they get so overwhelmed with all the things they need to focus on. And as much as those are important things, I was like, what is the most important thing? So I'd give them that. I'd be like, this is the most important thing. Week two, we'll talk about the second most important thing. But until you conquer that, don't come to me. I'll be you know, chewing you out until you get those done. And then usually, yeah. I'd probably say at a 90, 9 out of 10 rate, they're all crushing those first tasks because they're so bite-sized and easy to take. They're almost kind of like, yeah. that's it? And I'm like, yeah, I want you to – because if you say that's it, subconsciously, your belief system is like, I could totally do that. Right. I could 100% right. do that. And yeah, that's keep, good. Yeah. You keep adding those activation energies and you're just like, hey, look at that. I have this like huge repertoire of like tools and, 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 and knowledge that I could apply easily into my lifestyle. And you're like – how the hell do you do this? I'm just kind of like, how did, yeah, it, it's funny as a coach. I know this cause my wife goes through this. She's like, all the things we know will work. We have to start so small and it's the, it's the way it gets it there. It's the way you get there. And you know, she's like, I used to try and shove them like, just like you, everything on them at once. You need to eat this much protein and move this much and sleep like this and wake up at this time and circadian rhythms and <laughs> morning light exposure. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's like, you know, it, right. That's not going to work. <laughs> Dude, it, when I was yeah. 18 years old and I first started, I never knew what a calorie was. I never knew, you know, how many calories I was eating. I ate protein every meal, listening to Metallica in my silver cobalt. You know, I'd go to Walmart, get a rotisserie chicken. I'd be mounting that down as I'm listening to like Ride the Lightning album. And then I would go hit a workout. And that was, those were the only two habits I had for like three years. Mm -hmm. There was no vegetables. There was no healthy carbs. There was no walking. There was no sleeping seven hours. It was all terrible, but I had those two and that was my stepping stone. So if I only did that, how can I expect more or, or, you know, an excessive amount from some, from someone else? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one last topic before we close out, we were trying to arrange this and he said, Oh, I got change at my house isn't available. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? Like, so I, I read in, I read in your prep materials, you're moving out of the country. You're in Canada now and you, you are putting your house up on Airbnb. You're doing short-term rentals and you're kicking it. You're heading out. Why? 
That's and where and what and how <laughs> <laughs> so uh me and my wife we have fortunately we're mutual on this we canada's great i'm gonna tell you guys all right now Toronto's an awesome city it's an expensive city uh, i we happen to choose one of the most expensive areas in the city and mm. being both entrepreneurs and just really finding like the last three four years of our life have been way more stressful and you know our connection has been really wavery and like all of these things. I'm like, I know this is going to be far-fetched, but hopefully we can all put this together. So my parents are immigrants. And mm-hmm. when you're an immigrant, you probably evaluated your situation and go like, okay, so the economy here isn't that great. Let's go find an economy that makes sense. And I'm going to go thrive in it. So we say to ourselves, one, we hate cold winters. <laughs> you're in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, unfortunately I couldn't choose my parents, right? Um, and they chose Canada. I'm still in Canada. And I'm like, I hate winters. I'm done with this. You know, I'm done shoveling. So especially February, those dark nights and shoveling is you get really depressed. So the weather, but it's also the quality of life because this is still a concrete jungle, right? You go, Mm -hmm. you drive it, you drive 45 minutes downtown and it should only take 15, but it's 45 because of the traffic and everybody's just so up to the roof. Like they're just trying to cut you off. They're like all angry. And you're just like, Man, I just showed up to an ice bath so I could actually avoid all this anxiety. And now I just, you know, I have to like tack on that. So anyways, long story short, we want a quality of life both for me and my my kids that is a lot more slower pace, which mm. is going to come with its challenges. I'm completely aware of this. But yeah, we want a quality of life. We want a weather. And we want an economy that's in our favor for at least two to five years. If this turns yeah. into citizenship, well, well, whatever it turns out to. But uh, we're aiming for Portugal right now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Looking into that's the a big move. Yeah. That's a really big move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, my company's uh, run from my workforce is in the Philippines and the economy's different. And, but like, dude, I'm providing them with a really great income. <laughs> like, they're crushing it. My, oh, my, my head gal, my, my executive assistant goes, when I go to the bank, everybody asks for a job. <laughs> <laughs> they see my deposits like where do you work you know that like scene from wolf of wall street when uh oh, I Jonah, you never watch it oh huh i need to it's like a classic that everybody talks about all yeah. right yeah because there's a scene where jonah hill and i'm not gonna say too much about it then because you haven't seen it but there's a scene where jonah hill goes to uh leonardo DiCaprio, who's jordan belfort and he sees how much money he makes and he's like or he, he asks how much money he makes and he tells him and he's like you show me a check for how much you just said I'm going to quit my job right now and I'm going to work for you. And he does, he, he obviously does it. Uh, it was, as it sounds wow. like what these okay. Filipinos are ready to do. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, but the, but the point is, is there is so much opportunity when, especially with the economy right now, it's just really, and you know, but that's cool. I love that you're doing that. Are you guys going to homeschool? How old are your daughters? We looked into I mean, we had a great conversation like a couple of weeks ago with a woman who moved her entire family. And oh, wow. there are, uh, what do they call them? Like ex pat schools there are oh, yeah. international yep. schools i i'm a big believer of like really like becoming the culture like you you just don't mm-hmm. just show up there and just kind of like utilize their, their, their stuff right. uh, I'm, yeah i'm really big on that so i'm like i'm gonna learn portuguese i'm gonna become one now of you're them. all in i'm all in taxes everything give me give me give me the whole enchilada uh i don't think that's a pun because i'm pretty sure that's spanish but uh you know what i'm saying yeah whatever the food is that they yeah yeah <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, guys need to, uh, they need to plug into you 
uh, we'll have all your information in the show notes, but man, what's the best, what's the best way for them to kind of learn a little bit more about you and then start slinging dollars your way to get help? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the first one is just show up on Instagram. It's coach Marcus Wolf and Honestly, I I have a different approach when it comes to I, I want to just throw so much value at guys, and I, mm-hmm. I actually want to give them the whole plan, the whole thing of awesome. what you're supposed to do, and then if they can't do it, that's when you work with me. That's awesome. I love that. I love that so much. So go get the plan, guys. Go get the whole enchilada or the whole Portuguese meal, whatever it is. <laughs> go go do it, and then if you struggle through it, get a hold of Marcus. That's the best people to work with the best. all the time. Yeah. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much appreciate for you, coming man. in, Definitely. talking about your story, uh, relating or uh, talking about things that I'm sure 99% of the guys that are listening can relate to and appreciate your candor and openness about it. Rock and roll. Thanks for having me, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.